Yo, yo, welcome back to the It's All Opinion podcast. This is episode six of the only podcast where it's straight facts. And if it's not facts, it is an opinion. I am Nate Sperlin. Thank you for listening on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, uh, Amazon Music, Stitcher, and mad other DSPs. Do us a favor, hit the like button and subscribe to the channel. Follow us on old, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Old Milk Media. I am here with my fellow James Harden agenda pusher, Nima Javadzida. Nima, how are you doing today? Doing good, bro. How are you doing? I am doing well. Thank you for being here. Um, Nima will be my sixth guest, obviously, in this podcast series. And we are talking about more basketball today. So if you like the podcast with uh, the last podcast with Bobby Manning, you're probably going to like this one too. That being said, um, I guess, Nima, let's get right into it. Um, can you first start talking about your upbringing and your first interaction with basketball? Uh, yeah, so I grew up in Houston, Texas, uh, you know, South Houston area. Um, I grew up just like watching basketball. I was a big, big Rockets fan. Uh, I remember when I was like four or five, my dad would have me like go to his friends and say random Rockets stats that I knew, like just off the top of my head. Like I knew how many points Hakeem had in his career. I knew like the top 10 dudes and rebounds for the Rockets and like random shit like that, that like a five-year-old shouldn't really know. Um, and that was around when I started playing basketball too. Um, I had just moved from one part of Houston to another and, you know, you don't know anybody. So you just start playing sports and it ended up being basketball, played basketball a lot in like the youth uh, area, like, like the youth uh, group area, like around my area. Um played like blue chips for like a year or two. And then I am unfortunately not as athletic as I would like to be. And I get hurt very often. So I uh, cut my, cut my hoop career short a little bit. Uh, <laughs> went to, uh, went to Syracuse um, and ended up doing sport analytics over there. Uh, now I'm at Columbia getting my master's in sport management. And I've been with the NBA or I guess the G league for a year now. So obviously growing up in Houston, growing up watching um, the Rockets, can you, well, okay. First off, cause I was telling one of my friends about this yesterday and they're like new to watching basketball. And I was telling them about the time that Tracy McGrady scored 13 points in 35 seconds against the San Antonio Spurs. <laughs> <laughs> and we were watching that back and it's honestly amazing. Can you talk about, do you, first of all, did you see it live? I watched that game live, yeah. Okay, what was going through young Nima's head as Tracy McGrady all of a sudden channeled Steph Curry um, 10 years earlier? Dude, Tracy McGrady was like my idol growing up. I had a poster of him. I need to find the poster too. I've looked before because like I remember it got tore because it was on my door. That rhymed. Uh, but like I remember what happened. I think I was like playing a game in my room or something. And I ended up like running into the door in the fucking poster tour. Um, and it was like T-Mac dunking the earth. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, it was a sick ass poster. I need to find it again. But no, I love Tracy McGrady. And that game was like, to this day, like one of the best Rockets moments, I mean, ever. I mean, it's against the Spurs, our, one of our biggest rivals, especially like at the time. Because uh, the Spurs were at, at the top of the world, you know, team uh, Tim Duncan, Tony Parker, Manu, like Bruce Bowen. I think it was like 2007, yeah. 2008, something like that. Like that was when everything was really like going for them. Um, so it was just like a huge moment, man. Those those early Rockets teams were like those late or not early. I guess late 2000s Rock Rockets teams were like it's a very much like a what could have been because you had Tracy McGrady, you had Yao Ming, you had a bunch of really good role players, Shane Battier, Ron Artest for a little bit. Aaron Brooks uh, was a bucket. Like you had Rafer Alston and um, like David Wesley, just like a bunch of random ass names throughout that time of like T-Mac and Yao or like these guys were like just really good role players for the Rockets. And like 
it just it was health. Like T Mac couldn't stay healthy. Yeah, couldn't stay healthy. And then Tracy McGrady ended up quitting on Houston uh, in the like mid game. And so, uh, you know, a little bad blood there now, even if you like watch him uh, on ESPN, anytime he talks about the Rockets, it's like not very good things. <laughs> so, but uh, no, man, like Tracy McGrady was that dude. He's still kind of, I mean, like I wish his career never got cut short, but after his Rockets tenure, he wasn't the same. So. Yeah. So, Growing up watching the Rockets and knowing the top 10 rebounders in Rockets history, et cetera, et cetera. When did you make the decision to start your podcast um, and start covering the Houston Rockets? Yeah, so I was like, like COVID. I, I mean, I was always on like Rockets Twitter, not like a huge name on Rockets Twitter, but I followed a few accounts. I'll comment under their stuff and um, like I watched every single game and everything. And it got to the point where like, I think I was, it was last year, it was my senior year at Syracuse. Nobody in the house that I lived with watched basketball. Um, and like all existence. Yeah. And so like, that was the first like time in like four years where like, at least like my first year I was in a dorm and then my sophomore year, I would like go to one of my friend's houses and then junior year, my, me and my roommate, like we would always just watch Rockets games because he was, he's from Houston too. He's one of my friends from high school. Um, so senior year, like none of my friends are watching basketball like that. And so I'm like, well, shit, like, I want someone to talk basketball with. And I started, like, talking to some people on Twitter uh, pre-bubble. It was, around, it was around, like, the pre-bubble time. And then the bubble happens, and that's kind of when I started, like, actually interacting with people on Twitter and, like, kind of becoming, like, an account on Rockets Twitter. Um, and then... I did a podcast with a few people, uh, shout out, it's Zach Allen, uh, Lashard Binkley, and Anthony Duckett, who all cover ro- the Rockets. Um, they invited me on a podcast, and it went really well. And what was funny is the first time we recorded that podcast, it didn't record. And it was genuinely, <laughs> like, really, like, it went really well. I was surprised. I was a little nervous because it's my first time, like, ever doing, like, a podcast type thing. But it went really well. And then we had to go back, record another one. And I think it was funny because we said something. And it was like actually like a really good thing that the account, that the uh, podcast didn't get posted. Because I forgot what we said, but it was just like, oh, like the Rockets should do this. And they did the exact opposite. Or like, we were like, oh, they like they should do this. And like, they'll, they'll win. And they did it and they got blown out by like 30. <laughs> and we are like, oh, like it was like a rotation thing or something. I think it was like play Christian Wood with like whoever, whatever the fuck. Um, and we were like, well, damn, like, good thing we didn't post that. (laughs) Uh, so no, like, and then I was like, well, let me like start. So Lashard, he, uh, he, he runs overtime heroics. I don't know if he still does, but he did at the time. Um, and he was like, well, you know, we, I love your tweets. I love your point. Like the points you make, like, why don't you start writing? So I started writing for overtime heroics. I wrote for a, uh, page called border fuel. Uh, who had like just started up at the time. I think right now they're doing pretty well. Um, and then I decided, you know, I'm, I'm doing all this stuff. I'm writing all this stuff. Let me like do a podcast and that, then I can start talking to people as well. And so um, I, I started my own podcast. It went pretty well. I only did it for like the first season or for last season. Uh, started in like January. But what I really got into was all the draft stuff. And that's kind of where I've kind of made my bread, bread and butter was uh, doing a lot of draft scouting. It's something that I, like, it's become a hobby at this point. If I have free time, I'm turning on a, you know, random game from November. And I hate, I hate whenever I talk about it because it's like, people are like in your free time, you're watching like Rutgers play like Nebraska. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, even though the game happened like five months ago. Yes, I am. Unfortunately. And so uh, it's, it's kind of funny, like, whenever I sit back and, like, think about, like, scouting stuff and how, like, in hindsight, it just sounds, like, nerdy as shit. But it is nerdy as fuck, and that's why I enjoy doing it. It's, it's basketball and film study and all that stuff. So pivoted away from the Rocket stuff and more towards that. And that's kind of, like, right now that I'm with the league, I technically can't do anything uh, in terms of that. Like, I'm not allowed to post anything. But as soon as that contract's up, that's probably what I'm doing all summer. Okay. So you talk about scouting and watching college basketball. Okay, two questions. The first one is 
not all college basketball stars translate to the NBA. That being said, what do you think are some skills that, what are some skills that you look for in a college basketball player or not even maybe a G League player or someone from overseas, someone who isn't in the NBA yet? What are some skills that you look for that tell you that's a guy he's going to be big when he gets to the NBA? Yeah, I think the first thing is like athleticism. When you look at some of the guys who are in college basketball who dominate, who don't make it in the NBA. And the biggest problem for all of them is they're just not athletic enough. Like they have the skill. Luca Garza, um, for example, like the national player of the year, (laughs) like the best player in college basketball, averaged like 20 and 10. Iowa was a very good team. You know, like he had an insane time in Iowa gets picked in the fifties and barely gets any minutes for Detroit. Like, and when he does get minutes, he's not good. Why? Cause he can't make it up and down the floor. Cause there's guys on the court who are almost professional sprinters. Like the NBA, the level of athleticism in the NBA compared to college basketball compared to, you know, international basketball, even like it's insane. So like you just need, you need to be a top tier athlete. And then while being an athlete, like you need to be able to do stuff with the ball um, and in my opinion, like if you're, if you can't bring me anything on offense, like, I don't really care what you, what you do. Like, I don't care what you, for you as a player. And that's kind of like, and maybe it's because I'm, I'm only kind of in like year two or three of this. And although I have gotten like good acclaim from people who have been doing this for like years and they're like, you know what you're doing, which is a good like pat on the back. But like, I do feel like a lot of how I rank guys and how I think about guys, it does come down to kind of personal preference. Like Rudy Gobert is a very high impactful player. I agree. If you told me that this guy is going to be the next Rudy Gobert and then the next guy has a chance of being like the next Donovan Mitchell, I might pick the guy who like has a pretty good chance of being the next Donovan Mitchell, just because I don't want to have to, build my team around a guy like it's, it's so much harder to team build whenever you have a guy like Rudy Gobert on your team. And so like, especially you look at the top of the draft, I was talking about this earlier this week. Like I think a lot of teams who are really bad are looking for like go-to guys. You're looking for that score. Like you look at what the Rockets did this year, drafting Jalen green. You're looking for that guy who's going to go out, get you a bucket. He's going to be your number one. Like that's what you want. There's high impact guys for sure. But at the end of the day in basketball, you need that, the guy who's going to be that guy. And so that's why, like, you know, guys who are super athletic, who are two-way players and, you know, might be inefficient scorers, but you know they can score. I'm a little bit higher on those guys than I am the, you know, toolsy guy who makes a lot of, you know, the Draymond Greens or the P.J. Tuckers or whatever, whatever they may be. Like, just guys who are, like, good, sound players. Like, you can find good, sound players – in the second round, even you can find them because there's four year seniors who don't get drafted, who, you know, know how to play basketball. Um, it's, 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 a, there's a lot of different philosophies to how you go about drafting. That's the thing is like for every person who's trying to make a big board, trying to make a mock draft, they have their own philosophy. And then you have 30 teams who have their own philosophies. And within those 30 teams, you have eight scouts and two GMs and four coaches who all have their own philosophy on who they need to draft and who they need to get to team build. So um, nobody's ever going to be right, which is like part of the fun. It's like, you, you're, you're never going to be able to be even hundred percent on any player really. Like you can be 95%, but very few chance, very few people are able to properly predict like how a player's career is going to turn out. And I, I don't think that's really the goal. The goal is to like, just kind of find good NBA players and find guys who you think can make it. Uh, this year's draft is an interesting one because like it's not the greatest. And so you get past like 10 to 12 and you're like, well, there's these guys who, you know, they were five stars in high school, but didn't do anything in college. Or there's these guys who, you know, average 20 points per game in college, but they're like not like they're just probably not going to translate to the NBA. And so you know, it, it, every year is different. I feel like the last few years we've been spoiled with like just deep drafts or really good players at the top who are all stars by year one or year two. Like even the Lamellos and the Ant Edwards of the world are who 
Ant had 49 last yeah. night. Also, I, don't know, I don't know if you watched the end of that game. Uh, the Timberwolves were like desperately trying to get Ant 50 to the point where they were up and they were intentionally fouling. <laughs> they were up four. They were up four with like, took, like 30 four threes seconds. into like the last minute, didn't he? Try to try to yeah. get that 50. <laughs> so he took a bunch of threes. They they intentionally fouled Josh Primo. And then they call or no, and right after they intentionally fouled Josh Primo, um Cat is trying to inbound the ball to Anthony Edwards, and he gets a five-second violation. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like up four with 10 seconds left. And I'm like, bro, like it would be hilarious if the Timberwolves literally like lost that game trying to get Ant 50. But like, no, but like Ant, even Ant, who like hasn't been an all-star yet. And the first the first half of his rookie year wasn't that good. Like we're Jeez, spoiled with guys strong, like yeah. he, he, like this year too. Cade, Scotty mm-hmm. Barnes, uh, Jalen Green, Mobley. Evan Mobley, mm-hmm. Franz Wagner. Mm-hmm. You know, like Io these are guys who, yeah, I as a Chicago Bulls fan, yeah, I I O for sure. Bones who went mm-hmm. off last night. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like these are guys who are coming in impacting you know, maybe not always good teams, but impacting their teams, starting on these teams, putting up really good numbers in year one, that doesn't happen that often. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, next year is going to be interesting. I, you have Paolo, you have Chet, you have Jabari, but how good are they going to be in year one? Yeah. I think, you know, I think Paolo has a good chance of being really good. I, I think if Jabari's hitting his shots in the NBA, he's going to be really good. Chet's skinny as fuck. And I have a philosophy about white people in the NBA, but <laughs> like, I, I do think Chet is going to be a very good basketball player, but isn't going to be, you know, in November. Mm-hmm. Who knows? So, like, it's 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 going to be it's going to be a fun draft season. Next next month is Combine, uh, Portsmouth Invitational is next week. I'm pissed I can't go, um, but no, I'm excited. It's like I love I love the draft stuff. It's a lot of fun, and then you also, I mean, sixty guys' lives get made every yeah. night. You know, mm-hmm. like. Every, every year, every year, there's 60 guys who their life changes completely. So that's, that's the biggest part of that night. Just it's, it's, it's something to celebrate. So before we get to your role as a stats auditor for the G league, just real quick, cause I introduced you as my fellow James Harden agenda pusher. And I understand that this season, well, he's still a top five playmaker this season and maybe the scoring has gone down, but just in general, over the course of his career, how good is James Harden? Man, like, <laughs> so, like it's, it's, it's insane. Like, so 2012, whenever he first came to the Rockets, um, I remember when that trade happened, I like ran because it was like late at night. And it was like, I think it was like three, four days before the season started. Mm-hmm. And I like ran downstairs and I like woke up my dad. I was like, we got James Harden. And he was like, why? Well, who? <laughs> I was like, the, the guy from OKC. And he was like, Durant? I was like, no, the beard. And he was like, oh, yay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, like, dude, that trade was insane. I loved Kevin Martin. Uh, if you ever hoop with me, uh, I kind of shoot like Kevin Martin. Um, he was one of, like, my favorite players to watch. Uh, and that's why I was like, let me shoot from my chest like him which, uh, you know, I've obviously been told to fix, but shit, if it goes <laughs> in, you know, uh, if it works, it works. Sean uh, yeah, Sean Marion. Those are my, those are, those are my pops, basically. <laughs> uh, no, nah, but like he took off that first game. He had like 30 something points and we were like, what the fuck? And remind you that post T-Mac Yao, the Rockets were in like purgatory. Mm-hmm. Like we were 14, like we got the, we had the 14 pick like three times. <laughs> like that's the worst, literally the worst position you can be in. Like you're not good enough to like get a real lotto pick. You're not, or no, you're not bad enough to get a real lotto pick. You're not good enough to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And like, so we were there for a couple years in a row. We traded Lowry right before we traded Harden. So like we're going into the season. We're like, fuck, like who's going to be our starting point guard? Like, oh no, it's Jeremy Lin. Like, oh, we just signed Jeremy Lane. We traded Lowry. Like, we'll, like this season's going to be, like, very whatever. We'll see what happens. Get Harden. He takes off all-star year one. All-star games in Houston, too. Insane. Insane. Like, that was so much fun. Um, and then we lose in the playoffs to the Thunder. Mm-hmm. 
and then we go the next year, we get Dwight. Mm-hmm. Oh man, Dwight Howard! All of a sudden, you <laughs> that know, was that was Dwight be... fucking stunk. Yeah, <laughs> it was it was it was so evident that Clint Capella was going to be better than Dwight Howard for oh, what Dwight Howard because, was at that time. Because year one, it was like, all right, like this could be something, you know? Like we, I think we got the second seed, um, yeah. and we got to the Western Conference Finals. The team outside of Dwight and Harden stunk. Like Josh Smith was on that team, wasn't he? Or was that the, the second year? The yeah. second year. Mm-hmm. The first year was Chandler Parsons, uh, Ty Lawson. <laughs> like just like Terrence Jones was on there. Uh, Moti Yunus. Like it was just not a good, not a good roster. Costas Papa Nicolau was getting minutes. Nick Johnson. I, was yeah. I, I couldn't tell you who that. Exactly. Were, yeah. exactly. So like just not not a great team and they get to the western conference or not the western conference finals that that sorry yeah that was the western conference finals year that was the year with josh smith mm-hmm. the year before the one that i'm talking about is the year we got bounced by portland mm-hmm. that was the damian lillard um, shot yeah and, and over damian chandler lillard. parsons and then parsons left and we brought in ariza mm-hmm. um and we brought in Corey brewer and we brought in josh smith and then that was whenever we made it to the western conference finals um and that was a fun team too like that was that was whenever it felt like things were really clicking and obviously you get cooked by the warriors um and then the next year 41 41 eight seed you fire mikhail jd biggerstaff but harden is having a 27 7 and 7 year and he doesn't make an all nba team mm-hmm. which to this day like you look at now how people are talking about like Jokic mvp Right mm-hmm. as a six seed, mm-hmm. but Harden at an eight seed, averaging twenty-seven, seven and seven efficiently, didn't make an All NBA team. Honestly, I think the whole like LeBron, argument LeBron is sixteen games below five hundred, yeah, and he might make an All NBA team because yeah. he averaged thirty. Mm-hmm. Like, it's crazy how how the NBA has kind of shifted in mm-hmm. terms of how they weigh win losses, and I think part of it is Harden because. He like the Rockets in the ten last ten years before last season, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the, like since Harden left and the ten years before that, the Rockets were a top three winningest team in the league. It was the Spurs, the Warriors, the Rockets. Mm-hmm. Like they were very, very good, and they, I think you're not there at all without James Harden. And then the craziest part, and I know like this is what pissed me off the most is 2018, 19. Mm-hmm. When he goes for 40 points per game over 40 games. I watched each one of those games. I'm sure you watched the, uh, the 58 point loss mm-hmm. when he had 58 in overtime against the Nets and mm-hmm. Spencer Dinwiddie went off like Spencer Dinwiddie had the fucking game of his life that night. But Harden was unstoppable. Like mm-hmm. nobody on that team could stop Harden. It was literally like, whole like five guys guarding Harden <laughs> and the rest of the Rockets team stung. He had 61 in MSG during that tour. He had a 60 point triple double. He had a 57 point 16 rebound, 14 assists, some shit like that. Like and, triple and double. Players going in and out too. Like there wasn't really a consistent and yeah no consistent route. Yeah. Chris Ball out like mm-hmm. 40 games that year. Clint Capella out 30 games that year. Eric Gordon out 30 games that year. It was literally like him, Tucker, and Trevor Ariza carrying a bunch of bums. Mm-hmm. Harden is one of the best players to ever touch a, a basketball court. He's one of the top 10 scorers to ever touch a basketball court. Probably a top 10 or 15 playmaker to touch a basketball court too. The problem is when it comes down to, you know, lights on, this is the crunch time moments, he does fold under pressure, which I hate to say, but like it's happened year in and year out. The only year that I will give him like the benefit of the doubt is 2018, where everybody wants to use against him, mm-hmm. which everybody was like, oh, you know, the 27 missed threes. The Rockets made a three in there that Scott Foster waved off. Four <laughs> of them, he got tackled. Four of them, he mm-hmm. straight up got tackled. And then what the fuck is Harden supposed to do about Trevor Ariza going zero for 12? Mm-hmm. You know, like how, how is, and you know, 
It's and on top it's of like, that, it's against the Golden State Warriors. Do you remember? So. Do you remember? I think it was Game One against the Lakers in the bubble mm-hmm. when Harden, like, I think it was like the last five minutes of the game. It, I, I might be thinking of the wrong game, but there was a game where like it was the playoffs. Last five minutes of the game, Harden doesn't score, but he has like an assist on every single like bucket made. Not off the top of my head, but that. And I think like the rock. Yeah, he, he had an assist off of like every single bucket made. He had like two or three steals in the last five minutes. He locked up defensively. The only thing that was talked about the day, the day after was how Harden had zero points in the last five minutes. That was the only thing that was talked about. And it's like you want him to pass more, but then when he passes too much, you say he's too passive. But then whenever he doesn't pass enough, you say he's like too selfish and he's, he, he only does whatever like himself, like, that shit annoyed the fuck out of me. And so, like, as soon as he got traded, I was like, cool, I don't have to, like, sit here and back Harden this whole time. The only person I will ever argue Harden with is Bobby. And that just because Bobby's takes are fun. <laughs> that's, that's, the best, that's the best way I can put it. Uh, they're fun. Um, but, no, nah, man, like, Harden, Harden is something else. Like, and, that, and I say that in all aspects of the way you can say something else. Like, good, bad, on the court, off the court. That dude is just something else. Mm. One in one in the one of a kind for sure. Um, yeah, one of one, one of yeah, one for sure. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> so um, that being said, you earlier you referenced how you fell in love with analytics and stat keeping, et cetera, et cetera. Um, as I said, you're a stat auditor for the G League. Um, what was what sparked your interest in? Uh, advanced stats just stats in general like what was the moment that was like this is cool I like this so I majored in math at Syracuse um and you kind of get into math more math classes and the math classes that I was best at were statistics uh it was like statistics calculus I didn't care for like proof writing anything that involves like not numbers in math like I'm cool with like letters every once in a while but if you make me read that's where you lose me um There's a reason why I majored in math and not like English. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so like it got to the point in some math classes where I like I had to read stuff and I was like, nah, I'm good. Um, and so I kind of stuck with the statistics stuff and I was like, well, shit, like I spend all my time watching basketball and looking up these guys numbers and all these advanced stats are coming out. Like, let me do something with it. And so I got my minor in sport analytics, started taking a lot of those classes and uh, you start toying around with some code. You start toying around with some data visualization. You start looking into these advanced analytics that people start making. And uh, you start realizing that, like, there's obviously, like, the like, plus minus stuff um, that, like, it's helpful to know. You don't really need to weigh it. And, like, I think that the argument or the argument around analytics is, like, so stupid because the people that are, like, not analytics people are like well why should i look at these numbers and then the people that are like analytics people are saying like well the numbers are guidelines for you to like kind of understand who's good and who's not and then it kind of comes back to like oh well like why don't i just watch the game and like not the numbers it's like well the numbers just confirm like your eyes like the numbers aren't to be like like you're not supposed to like look at the numbers and then be like Nikola Jokic Jokic is the best player in the league Mm -hmm. if you watch and you say Nikola Jokic is the best player in the league and then you look at the numbers and the numbers show he's the best player in the league then it's like oh okay like here's what I think you know like fucking free think for once stupid people like you don't have to rely on numbers think for yourself and then see if the like if the facts, if the numbers, if the other people's opinions back what you think. And that's kind of what numbers are. In my opinion, numbers are just like a more reliable opinion because you look at them and they tell you what is happening, but they don't tell you the full story because at the end of the day, there's 11 different things happening on a basketball court. One number is not going to encompass all 11 different things. So you know, you take them with a grain of salt, but they're also very good to know. And then you look at like kind of just more breakdown stuff. So this is kind of what teams use. Like teams aren't using like LeBron, you know, they're not going up to, and that's, a, that's another thing is like, people are like, well, why does like, why do I care? Or why should Jay Sean Tate care if his like LeBron rating is like plus four, you know, like he doesn't. And I don't think the teams do either. Like those are, those metrics are quite literally like, 
for gambling. <laughs> like a lot of advanced metrics started off for gambling. They're all, they're now used to like kind of show like impact and all that stuff. But like, and there are some like decent impact measurements that are out that like will show how guys are in different kind of roles, you know? But like what teams are looking at is like, okay, how good is this guy in the pick and roll? Well, we can look at the numbers. We can break down every single pick and roll possession and say 50% of the time he passes off, 50% of the time he shoots. Of the 50% of the time he shoots, 40% of the time it's a floater, 30% of the time it's at the rim, and 30% of the time it's a dribble pull-up. Uh, the 50% of the time he passes, you know, 40% of the time it's to a spot-up shooter, 60% of the time it's a lob, whatever it may be. You can break down a guy's game with numbers. And once you break down a guy's game with numbers, on the other side of that, you can defend him. You can scout him. And that's what I did last year. You know, you, everybody makes fun of Patrick Beverly, but I worked for a trainer back in Houston who he trains Patrick Beverly. And that was what I was doing, sending him like, hey, you're guarding Devin Booker tonight. 50% of the time he's going right. 40% of the time when he goes right, he's pulling up for a jumper. He shoots 60% on these jumpers. So make sure like you don't let him hit this jumper. And Patrick Beverly had the best season of his career last year. Now he's having the second, or the now he's having the best season of his career after last year. So teams that don't like embrace analytics and people that don't embrace analytics, I think you're falling behind. But you don't need to rely on it. Like it's not a crutch. It's a it just it's, it's it's another tool. And so like I think that's the biggest problem with like the whole debate around analytics. People just don't know what they're talking about whenever they come to talk about it. Mm-hmm. So um, kind of piggybacking off your point, I guess. Um, is it hard for you to balance the eye test and analytics? No, I would say at first, just like, or not even at first, I mean, I, I always watch basketball, you know, like I know basketball decently well. I can name some X's and O's. I can tell you different kind of defensive coverages, stuff like that. And I can understand some sets, but like the way I go about it is whenever I'm scouting, I'll watch a couple games, you know, watch a couple games, start making some points on guys. All right, I think this guy's a pretty good like pick and roll defender. Uh, you know, I think this guy – it seems like from what I've watched, you know, he's a really good catch and shoot player, but, you know, only on this side of the court, I don't know. Or like, Oh, only whenever, like, for some reason, this guy shoots better when he's contested than when he's uncontested. Well, you know, why am I thinking that? And then I go and I look at the numbers. I'm like, Oh, you know, the numbers are actually like confirming what I see. Like this guy, like Ben Matherin, for example, at, at Arizona shoots way better contested than uncontested. No fucking idea why. Couldn't tell you. But I know that that's what the numbers tell me. And that's what I see when I've watched the film. You know, I look and a wide open jumper, he breaks it. All of a sudden, some dude is directly in his face and he hits a shot. Like, what's happening here? You know, so you watch, you watch. Then you look at the numbers and either the numbers tell you, hey, you're correct or no, you're wrong. And if it's no, you're wrong, let me see. Let me go back, watch a couple other games and see either where I went wrong or maybe I'm right. I just wasn't right about the numbers. Like I might've been right that this guy isn't very good going downhill, but he still finishes like 55% of the rim. The only problem is whenever he's finishing at the rim, it's a really easy layup, you know? But whenever he has a little bit of pressure on him, he stinks. He just happens to get more open looks at the rim, stuff like that. So you just kind of let your you let the numbers confirm your eyes or tell you to, Hey, maybe go, maybe go check again. You know, I I think of it as like a, whenever you write an essay and you put it through Grammarly, (laughs) like you just put it, you, 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 you know, you do your scouting report and then you look at the numbers and you're like, okay, you know, I had like 90% of this stuff correct, but then there's this 10% I need to go back and make sure that either like I need to fix it a little bit. So I, I think some people don't understand the balance of it. I did have the benefit of being able to talk to a lot of scouts who are analytics people as well and trying to see how they balance stuff and kind of learning from them. Um, but no, I mean, like, if I, if, I, if I were to say that, like, analytics are more important to me, then I feel like I would be doing a disservice trying to, like, be a scout. Like, I, I feel like that is that's not how you need to go about it. So you know, just make sure that the numbers confirm what you're seeing. 
and and hopefully from there you're correct <laughs> so with that being said do you think is there a point with humanity or well in this case basketball where there will be too many advanced stats do you think I think there already are <laughs> <laughs> and it's not that there's too many I think there's just too many of the same thing like bro LeBron Raptor um what's that other fucking there's like some drip drip or some stupid shit like that and I hate I I get that you want to say you want to like make like a an acronym to like get people to like oh look you know this this drip rating is fucking whatever the fuck it sounds so stupid bro and then you look at like the way they the way they break it down LeBron LeBron right it's like luck estimated uh something something like let me look it up real quick but it's it's some like stupid fucking like acronym uh hold on lebron acronym uh advanced stats i need to see what it is again luck estimated play luck adjusted player estimate using a box prior regularized on off that's so (laughs) fucking dumb right and like you seriously like it doesn't make sense. Like, I get what you're trying. Okay, it's luck estimated. It's luck, like, adjusted estimate of, like, the prior Brock scores of the games, on-off rating, like, all that stuff. You literally just put all this random shit together just so you could spell out the word LeBron. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like that's what I hate the most about it. Like, come on. Like, just, like, be better. <laughs> just be a little bit better um and then like there's like five of these six of these seven i'm sure there's even more that like people want to make them and they're like oh you know but they're all a little different like like this one is luck adjusted some of them weigh you know transition buckets less than half court buckets or half court plays less than transition play some of them like they just they just weigh things a little differently so that's why you know Jokic might be one in like three of them and number two and two of them um, so it, I just think there's like, as a community, like the people that make these, like, how do we come together and make them less? Like we have like nine of them, let's combine them into like four. <laughs> like we don't need all these different metrics. Like, I feel like it is already a little oversaturated. What I want people to do is go into like different things. What I wanted to do, which unfortunately like the data is not public. It's all second spectrum stuff. But, like, players have archetypes. You, you play 2K, your guy's a slashing point forward or whatever the fuck. How, how do we define the word point? How do we define point forward? Is it based on height? Is it based on assists per game? Is it based on touches per game? Is it based on how good he is at passing? Is it based on how often he brings the ball up the court and sets up the offense? Is it based on, you know, like, is he guarding point guards? You know, what, what, what is it that defines a point forward? compared to a wing what how do we define a three and d guy you know because everybody wants to be three and d i saw some guy tweet the other day three and d plus and what is three and d plus it's guys who can pass and finish at the rim too is that not just an all-around player yeah that is like, is that not just like what we call like a two-way guy that, or an all, that, all-around that, guy? a guy who can shoot finish at the wide. rim pass the ball and play defense that's cool you want to call that three and d plus that's an all-around that's <laughs> that's he has all there's four skills you need in the NBA, basically. Can you dribble? Can you pass? Can you shoot? Can you play defense? Everything else is like, can you move on ball, off ball, all that stuff. But if you're saying he has all four of these things and you want to call him a 3 and D player, what? Like, that's, that is a guy who can play basketball. Like, <laughs> that's, that's what, like, I feel like people just want to, like, misnomer stuff and all that. So that's why, I like, analytics, get into that. You know, go in and say, hey, this guy – is like a point forward. This guy is a rim running center based on what the numbers show us. This guy is a stretch big based on what the numbers show us. This guy is a, you know, he might be a point guard. He might be six foot, but he's not a point guard because he plays 70% of the time off ball. Patrick Beverly, six foot one, played point guard the majority of his career. He's a shooting guard, Mm -hmm. you know, like, so it's, that's where I think analytics can come in. You can you can better chair broke. I had this chair for like three years, and I, it has like a little peg that keeps it from like leaning back mm-hmm. because I like to lean back in my chair. 
and now the peg just fell out so that was oh, fun. Wow. Uh, <laughs> but you okay yeah i'm chilling uh, uh, it happens like twice a day it's fun um <laughs> but no like i think that's where you can kind of get in it's just kind of like better defining archetypes and there are some places I, I can't remember the websites off the top of my head but there are a few websites that already do that um and they do a decent job of it i mean i I, I can't complain. I haven't looked too much into it. Another thing, don't put all your shit behind a paywall. Like, yeah. Because how many people are actually using it? I mean, like, are, are you really making that much money off of it? Because some nerd want, I would pay for it probably. Because I am <laughs> that nerd. But like, because some nerd wants to see like who is in the 95th percentile of point forwards in the league. Like, don't put all your shit behind a paywall. And then maybe more people will be accepting of analytics. More people will look into it. More people will be able to like understand it. And then eventually you get more people to actually look at it and care about it. And then you can put your shit behind a paywall. But yeah, I don't know. The analytics community is funny, very funny. Um, and even though like I'm a math major, I, I, I'm in the analytics community a little bit. I understand it a lot. I tend to have a lot of disagreements with them, both in both in player evaluations and also how they go about things, because it's a little snobby at times. <laughs> so you just talk, you just uh, basically bash the whole LeBron advanced stat. What do you think is the most underrated advanced stat? Yeah, and I will say, like, I, the guys who made LeBron are very good people, and they, they did a very good job with that stat. I think that stat is a good one. I just think the name is stupid. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like LeBron is a good one. Like it's not, it's not that any it's not that any of them are bad. It's just that like you need to also like watch. Like you can't just look at the numbers and then be like, yeah, this is right. And I I don't. And the thing is, like I think that's also something that like a lot of people tend to not understand. Like they think analytics people don't watch basketball. Like they watch basketball probably more than you do, and that's why they spend so much time coding this stuff. It's because they're so passionate about it. They love it so much that they, they just also happen to love analytics and they're like, let me code this stuff, you know? So like something they don't watch basketball, something they don't understand it. They just see it differently. Um, and they like care about different things differently. And so, you know, everybody, there's people who love their uh, Jamal Crawfords and then there's people who love the, you know, PJ Tuckers. So it's, it's all a little different. Um, I don't know. I, I don't really care for any of them to the point where I'm like, this is the one, you know, like none of them. I'm like, this is the one I rely on, but you just kind of look at all of them and, and, you know, make your, make your decision based on that. If some dude is first in like eight different advanced metrics, you can't be like, Oh, this guy's first in like all of them. I think he's the eighth best player in the league, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> like there's very clearly a reason why those numbers show like Jokic, I mean, and even though I just said this, Jokic is number one in all the advanced metrics. Giannis is my MVP, but that's also because I care about winning. And, like, I think winning is part of the MVP conversation. Like, Jokic might be technically most valuable, mm -hmm. but you didn't, you didn't get to, like, the point you should have been. But, doesn't, so, like, but if you look at – because I think the whole – argument behind seeding is ridiculous because they're in two different conferences and if you have the phoenix suns who have 63 wins of course right. the denver nuggets aren't going to be number one but that being right. said when you look at actual wins Giannis only has two more wins above uh Jokic, and Jokic is yep. playing without jamal murray and for the most part playing without michael porter jr and i get that the bucks have had some injuries but not on the same level as um denver you also, you also gotta look at the competition they're playing because in the East, you're playing 52 games against East teams. Mm -hmm. In the West, you're playing 52 games against West teams. If you're looking at the conferences this year, which one do you think are you taking more seriously? If you were to ask me that at the start of the season, I'd probably say the East. But I think the West is – I think just by numbers, the West is more top-heavy. See – I, so I agree. Yeah, the, the West is more top heavy, but I don't think that's because those teams at the top of the West are better. Mm -hmm. Like, I think the top six in the West, and the top six in the East are probably around equal. Mm -hmm. The thing is, is the bottom of the West is very bad. 
And these teams in the East split a bunch of games. You have 10 teams above 500 in the East. Mm -hmm. You have eight teams in the West. The nine seed in the West has lost 44 games. That's the Knicks. The Mm -hmm. Knicks in the West make the play-in. The Knicks in the East, 12 seed. Like, the East is flat. The West is top-heavy. And I think that's why you look at like the Bucks winning 30 games, 50, or they win 50 games, losing 30. And you look at like the West and you're like, oh, well, like, okay, the Nuggets are 48 and 33, right? Mm-hmm. They probably finish 49, 33, 48, 34, whatever it may be, 60. Okay. In the like, you look at who they played, you're playing four games against the Rockets, mm-hmm. four games against the Thunder, four games against the Blazers. Four games against the Kings. The Lakers fucking stink. The Spurs fucking stink. The Pelicans fucking stink. The Clippers up until the last like three months of the season fucking stink. Like the Timberwolves are a team that nobody takes seriously. The Jazz are a team that nobody takes seriously outside of the regular season. Um, The Mavericks are Luka and a bunch of scrubs. Like Memphis just showed up this year. The Warriors have been missing half their team all season. Like the West is like, the West isn't good. Like in my opinion, the conference is the East. I think the champion probably comes out of the West because I think the Warriors or the Suns are the two best teams in the league. But the East has like seven teams who you could tell me they're going to make the Eastern Conference Finals. And I'd be like, yeah. Sure. The West, the West, the Suns, the Grizzlies, the Warriors. I could see the Mavericks if they stay in the four seed. Mm-hmm. I don't see the Jazz making the Western Conference Finals. I don't see the Nuggets making the Western Conference Finals unless Jamal Murray if comes Jamal back. Murray comes, if Jamal, Jamal Murray, Murray comes back. But he needs to be Jamal Murray. Or Michael like, Porter Jr. And Michael Porter Jr. needs to be Michael Porter Jr. If they like, get half, I mean, honestly, if they, they get half of that from both player from both players, I think they still have a chance to make. If they get half of that from both players and they run into the Warriors in round one, they're still not winning. They play the Warriors in round one. Right they now, win. it's right now it'd be three. Yeah, three six is Warriors Nuggets. If I'm the Warriors, I'd probably tank the last two games of the season and try and get the four seed. Mm. Uh, I mean, because I also I also wouldn't want to play Jokic no. the first the first like series of the playoffs. I'd much rather play like the Jazz mm-hmm. and just toy with Gobert but, with Gobert. yeah <laughs> <laughs> with all that spacing on the floor. He won't he won't have any clue what to do. But if you're making that argument for Giannis is in the East, so that's why he deserves it. Giannis is also only like two or three games above Joel Embiid. So why not Joel Embiid instead of Giannis? And Joel Embiid yeah. has been playing with. I, so a, that's the thing. I like. If I were making that, like, the thing is, like, I, it's hard to deny Jokic. It's very hard to deny Jokic, and I don't want to. Like, that's, it's not what I'm doing. Like, I think all three of them have a real, really serious case. But if I were to rank the three, it would probably be Giannis and Embiid Jokic. I, I think Embiid is just so good defensively. Offensively, he is absolutely unstoppable. Jokic does make his teammates better. And that's where, like, you know, the, the, the definition of most valuable definitely comes in there. Like Josh Giddy tweeted, the most valuable player is the one to make get the most value out of his teammates, basically. Mm-hmm. I think Jokic does a very good job of that. But like Embiid is just so dominant. Like mm-hmm. you watch him play on the court and like people scramble. Yeah, <laughs> Whoever's he's, guarding him is calling him last night. That, that happens occasionally with Jokic, but Jokic is a lot, you know, a lot more slower, a lot more. And not not slow, but like he takes things at a better pace. He 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 lets the offense click, and once the offense clicks, he knows what to make. Like he's a very smart player, and not not saying Embiid's not, but when Embiid has the ball, you are scrambling to guard him. But because he's going to also he's going to take you. Basically, don't you think right? that's also because of the fact that Jokic is just. And Embiid has improved his playmaking this year, but Jokic is just that much better of a playmaker. So if you double Jokic yeah. and they have shooters around, because I think Jokic, I think yeah, one, also the like, one part about Jokic that's underrated is his scoring ability, because he can get you 50 if he, if he needs to. Yeah. But the reason why he doesn't see the triple teams so and the double teams is because he's, so he's such a great passer. And Embiid is a good passer, but he's not that level of Jokic. Yeah, I mean, I agree, but also like, 
Jokic is a decent defender, but he's nowhere close to That's Giannis. Fair. Embiid. That's fair. You know, I think both. I think Giannis and Embiid are underrated playmakers. They're underrated passers. I think he's a very good passer. He's not. He's not Jokic. Nobody's Jokic. No. It's like Luca, Jokic. Like <laughs> Luca, it's, it's like Luca, Jokic, Chris Paul. Yeah. Maybe Trey. James like, Harden. James Harden. Mm-hmm. Like. And Embiid's obviously not there. Giannis obviously isn't there. But those you name Embiid and Giannis, very arguably number one and number two defenders in the league, mm-hmm. while also being top five scorers in the league. Like say what you want about Mr. Run and Jump and Giannis and all that, but he's added so much to his bag over the last few years. He's pulling up for threes. He's taking step back threes. He's taking turnaround step back mid range jumpers like. He is becoming an all-around offensive player. Like, he's becoming an offensive threat from all parts of the half court. Like, Embiid, same way. Like, Embiid will take you off the dribble. That's ridiculous. 280-pound, yeah. seven-footer, built like he is, Smooth. crossing you up, mm-hmm. doing a spin move, and then a reverse layup. Like, mm-hmm. he is uh, – it's, it's insane some of the things they do. And it's insane some of the things Jokic does, too. He makes some passes – like, you you don't even see him looking in that direction. He no. could be looking at the opposite side of the court, and he knows where you are. Like, we're talking about three generational players. Like, generational players. They're, 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 these are going to be guys who you look back at the 2020s, you know, 20 years from and now. It's gonna who, be the, who, who, who are the names we're going to be naming, listing off? Giannis, Embiid, Jokic, Luka. Like these are guys that their name when we talk about the 2020s as a generation, those are going to be the names who are staples. So each one of them has a case. I think the like the, there's people that are saying it's Jokic and it's going to be a runaway. I think it's going to be way closer than people think. Mm-hmm. I think those three guys are going to split a lot of the votes, but I think it's a three man race. And I think this is, in my opinion, the best MVP race we've had in a while. I mean, you look at the other ones that were out, like you had the year that it was like Giannis, Harden, LeBron, but it really that wasn't was Harden. It really I'm wasn't Harden or LeBron that year either. Like, I mean, I think that was last that, season was pretty was, good too, though. Yeah, with 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 I, just Jokic and Embiid, I think. I mean, and, I, and, I, I but that was. More, but I, this has been like the first time where it's like a serious like three man mm-hmm, race. Yeah, and like yeah. it's we're. Like, shit, the Nuggets have one game left. <laughs> like, the Nuggets have one game left in the season. The Celtics have one game left. The 76ers have two games left. The Bucks have two games left. Like, we're coming down to the last game or two of the season, and we don't know who the MVP is. Fair point. Like, I remember whenever, like, Harden had the unguardable tour. Mm-hmm. Like, it was very much Giannis or Harden but it was also very much Giannis, you know, like there's people being like, Oh, like Giannis is the MVP, but Harden has a case, but Giannis is the MVP, but Harden, you know, but, 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 but yeah, but, but Giannis is the MVP, but this is like, Jokic has a case and has a case. Giannis has a case. Like all three of them have a case. Who's MVP. I have no fucking idea. So I'm excited to see what happens. I mean, it's going to be them three. It's yeah. going to be them. Three. It's going to be one no of way three. Anybody yeah. else. Whenever they announce the top three, I really hope they don't do the uh, the award show again. It's, it's I mean, been very hard. I, I, there's been I years where it's like good, it. and there's been years where it's not good. So. I don't mind it. For me, it's more so the timing, because I think if they put the award show after the regular season, since it's a regular season award, that would be more appropriate than us having to wait till um, the finals are over, and then we know who the MVP is. I don't know if they changed that or not, but it just makes more sense to me when this is the regular season, regular season's over. Here are the awards versus, okay. Playoffs are over. Cause then you get all these arguments about how is he the MVP when his team got knocked out the first round and it's a regular season award. Like, yeah. Doesn't make any sense. That's stupid shit. Like whenever, uh, like Giannis wanted the year of the bubble and then they got knocked out by Miami. And mm-hmm. he was like, Oh, he's like fraud MVP. It's like, no, <laughs> like, <laughs> Not at all. The dude averaged like 30 and 17. (laughs) So I have two more questions before we get ready to wrap this up. The first one is what is the NBA interview process like? 
So I've interviewed with the NBA now three times. Um, I did an internship with them the first time. Uh, it was like a phone interview and then another phone interview. And then I went into Secaucus. They showed me the office, had an interview there. Um, but the role that I'm doing now, uh, it was cool because my boss, Ben Zerman, uh, he's, he's younger. He's like 26, 27. And I had him on LinkedIn. I applied for the position. He posted the position and I messaged him. I was like, Hey, you know, applied for the job. Let me know if there's any questions as you do, whenever you, you know, apply. Um, then like a week later, he responded finally and was like, let's set up a time for an interview. And he, so working for the G league, he started asking me, he was like, so like, what do you do? Like, well, like what, what's like your background in basketball? I told him I did, you know, the stuff for uh, Pat Bev and like Vando and all the guys over there. And um, kind of just like started riffing at that point. I was like, yeah, like I covered the Rockets and I did draft scouting stuff and I knew he worked with uh, the G league. So I was like, you know, loved Jalen Green and I'm a Rockets fan and, you know, I'm super excited to see what he does. And then from there, it turned into like, oh, like, what did you, what'd you think of like Jalen? What'd you think of Kamingo? What'd you think of like the Ignite guys? And I started telling him how I felt about the Ignite guys and talking about the G League and how I watched Rio Grande Valley since like 2012 because they sent, like the Rockets sent Clint Capella down there and they sent Robert Covington down there and uh, like Isaiah Hartenstein in 2017. and all this. So I've been, you know, keeping up with the G league. I know, I know all the teams, I know who the MVP is and who the, you know, the best players are and all that stuff. And I think it's like whenever you, and they kind of tell you whenever you apply for jobs in sports, like they don't want to hear like, I love basketball, you know, like they're like, Oh, why do you want this job? Oh, I love basketball. It's my passion. Like everybody fucking loves basketball, you know, like it's the whole song. But they, they want to know, you know, what you're talking about like they want to know you've been there like you love basketball but can you talk to a player without freaking out you know can you talk to a player without asking him for a picture can you tell me what kind of coverage is happening right now can you tell me like can you watch a game and recognize different rotations can you like understand how a player plays like can you watch his game and be like oh you know what i know he's gonna pull up for this shot here and as someone who watches james harden a lot my like even my dad got to the point whenever like watching Harden because Harden is very like predictable to watch. I'm gonna mm -hmm. be honest, but obviously not very predictable to guard. But there's times watching Harden where he gets the ball and it's in the middle of a motion or something. It doesn't matter what's happening. He gets the ball and you go, oh, he's he's about to shoot it. Like <laughs> oh, he's gonna he's gonna go for a three here. Or no, he's definitely gonna drive here. And you just like like you know you know it's going to happen because you watch him so much, you understand the game. So when, especially whenever you're waiting for like team jobs and like you're applying for team jobs and like the basketball side of things, they don't care if you love basketball. Everybody loves basketball playing, watching, like you're applying to work in, in the NBA. Of course you love basketball, but you don't go and apply for Apple and tell them, oh, I fucking love Microsoft, you know, like everybody loves basketball who wants to work in basketball. Do you know basketball? Can you can you work in basketball? And that's kind of what they want to figure out. And so, like, you just you got to be passionate about the life of it, not not the game. You know, you got to be passionate about working on the road. You got to be passionate about going into the office at 9 p.m. while you're already at a game in Brooklyn and having to go to New Jersey at nine o'clock. This happened to me earlier this week. That's why I'm complaining. Uh, but, <laughs> You got to be able to leave that game in the second quarter, even though it's the first time that you get to see the Rockets outside of Houston and take an Uber from Brooklyn to New Jersey to work a G League game at 9 p.m. That's shit you got to be happy to do, you know, and I, I obviously wasn't very happy to do that, but I enjoyed it. You know, and it's 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 the life of working in the league. I have to go to work later today and work until 1 a.m. again. And I can't complain because there's going to be days where I know, like, if I want to work in sports, there's going to be days where I'm boarding a plane at 3 a.m., you know? There's going to be times where I'm checking into a hotel at 5 a.m. <laughs> like, the life of 
sports is insane. So you can't just be passionate about it. You got to want to do it. And I think that's what they, they want to know. Like, do you want to do this? Um, obviously if you're working for like the marketing side of stuff and like social media, like they like knowing you like, you know, the sport, but you know, it's corporate, it's a corporate office. So you, you know, they, they treat it like any other kind of corporate interview. You get a phone interview, you get a zoom interview. They might bring you in person stuff like that. Luckily I got to work in a basketball ops position. And so they want to know that, you know, you know what you're, what you're doing. And, uh, it's cool. You know, I don't think the stats auditor position is a hard position. I think it's a very good position for people who want to get into basketball. Uh, cause all you do is watch games. It's literally all I fucking do is I think I've watched about 400 G league games this year. That's in like, you watch games, you make sure the stats are correct. And then I do a little bit of advanced stuff for team ignite. And then also, you know, just some like data collection, advanced analytics stuff, just cause you know, the G league has experimental rules and all that stuff. But for the most part, you're just sitting there watching games. And once you keep watching, you understand guys' games, you understand their sets, you understand the, like, I can tell you who, like, what sets Fort Wayne runs. Who cares? Nobody. I don't think the Fort Wayne coach cares. But, I, like, you, you watch so much of it, you, you end up understanding. So, I don't know. I, I, like, I enjoyed the interview process. It went very well for me because I just was able to show that I know what I was talking about. I was able to talk to someone who liked the fact that he could talk about the G league with somebody. Um, and yeah, like now I'm going through the inter interview process at a few other places and um, have had some good interviews. have had some bad interviews, but what I've heard back from everybody is you're on the right track. You're doing the right thing. And you, you have a place here eventually. I just, I don't have enough experience. I'm too young, whatever it may be. Cause the NBA is all about tenure and all about nepotism and that's sports. And that's kind of the world as it is, but being able to be told by people who are in positions already that, Hey, you're on the right track. Like that's something that, you know, you can't take lightly. So. So you're studying, you already said, you're studying sports management at Columbia university and you're about to graduate in August. So what's next for you after that? Shit, fuck if I know. Um, <laughs> nah, I mean, so I finish. I, I, yeah, so I'm, I technically, like, graduate in May. Uh, they do the ceremony, and then I finish in August. Um, currently applying for places. I would love to stay with the G League. Um, probably not in the position I'm in right now, but um, hopefully there's some opportunities there. But I've applied for a couple different things. There's a good chance I'm moving back to Texas for a little bit, probably Austin. Um, get things figured out for the summer. And then I would say by August, I have things figured out. That's the goal. Um, I think things are slowly getting a little bit more figured out. I have another interview with a company uh, next week. It's a sports tech company that I'm very excited about. Um, I've, I've been following them for a little bit. And so hopefully that's, that's what ends up happening. But I'm always going to be doing stuff in basketball, man. That's the goal. I, I, I can't see myself doing anything else. Um, and then once my, my contract with the G League is up um, in May, I will be posting a lot of my like scouting stuff and doing a lot of draft stuff. I will be hopefully going to combine this May, um, Summer League in July, the draft in June. Uh, it's, a, you know, it's a big time for people who are into the draft and into scouting. And so the next few months is supposed to be a lot of fun. So regardless of what happens work-wise or school-wise, I'm excited for what's coming up. So time for the final segment on the It's All Opinion podcast, where I allow guests to promote whatever they want to promote. It is time for you to speak your piece. You have a minute and you can promote whatever or make whatever argument you want to. And your minute starts now. All right. So I'm going to promote a few things. Uh, I am starting a NIL company uh, very soon coming out. It's called Next Up. We are making trading cards and NFTs for college basketball players. Uh, we currently have nine college basketball players under roster. Uh, if you are a college basketball player or know any listening, please refer them my way. Um, you know, would love to get a deal done. Uh, those are coming out around draft time. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at FindingNemo23, uh, like Nemo, two E's, but A instead of an O. Uh, same thing on Instagram, FindingNemo23. Um, follow my friend's media company, Multiplicity Media. Uh, they have a website now and they're writing articles about everything, whether it be culture, sports, all that. Um, and that's also probably where the cards are going to get sold. Just a little hint, hint. 
Um, but yeah, I, I think that's basically everything I have to plug for now. Uh, listen to Old Milk. Listen to Nate. Follow Nate. I'm sure you do if you listen to this. Uh, don't follow Bobby. Uh, he's got some. He's got some <laughs> insane takes. He's got some insane takes. Uh, or follow him if you just like seeing like just some wild shit be said. That was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> that was hilarious. <laughs> All right. Um, thank you for joining me, Nima. You can follow Nima on Instagram and Twitter, as he just said. All the links to everything he just promoted will be in the description and on oldmilk.co. Thank you for watching episode six of the It's All Opinion podcast. Like and subscribe to the channel. Follow Old Milk on Instagram and Twitter at Old Milk Media. I am Nate Sperlin, and the Cat Podcast will be back when hip hop tells it to be. So that being said, thank you for watching. It should be thank soon. It should be soon. Tonight was a huge night. Today was a huge day for music. It got I'll be soon. real. I'll be real. Taylor is doing something very important right now so it will be back <laughs> next week it will be back next week because we have a lot of music to talk about 504 and just dropped um esdg and 42 doug dropped um vince staples dropped there's so much music podcast will be back next week guys yeah thank you nima for <laughs> making me say that uh that being said thank you for listening thank you for watching and we are out peace Thank you.